Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Now, here is a motion picture film. And now, ladies and gents, it's your time. To do the bimes. Say hello to my little friend. Go ahead. Make my day. Come quietly or there will be... Trouble. I'll shove that bat up your ass and turn you into a popsicle. Inconceivable! Welcome to the All-American Spook Show Podcast. I'm sorry, boys. I'm afraid I can't do that. I'm afraid I can't do that. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of the All-American Spook Show Horror Podcast. I'm Josh and I'm joined here with Will, you know, Donnie, hey. and the Professor Smoke. Up. All right, we're beginning the Cult Corner series this week with the Warriors, so I guess the first question is, can you dig it? What? I said, can you <laughs> dig it? One more time. All right, I guess I mean, if you can't hear me, I said, can you dig it? <laughs> So yeah, this will be our, our first dip into, uh, our, I guess our first official dip into the uh, Cult Corner series. Now the whole premise here is that we're going to be watching cult classics, cult favorites. Uh, every once in a while we'll choose them, but for the most part they'll probably be chosen through polls and whatnot, you know, that we'll do before we do them. And just like this one was chosen by you, the fans, uh, over, oh man, I, I shouldn't even have set it up because I blanked on what the fucking poll was. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was Bloodsport, there was... Fear and Loathing in Las uh, Vegas. Or which poll was it? <laughs> <laughs> the first yeah. uh, cult, cult, cult corner. Oh, mine was Assault on Precinct. 13. Yeah, yeah, the, the, the original by John Carpenter. So yeah, uh, once once the poll was over, I guess we kind of put the rest out of our mind. But th- those were the choices. But this is the one that was that was chosen. So we'll kind of dip in and out of this, you know, uh, from time to time. This won't be a, like every other week kind of thing. Just uh, when we feel like throwing down another cult corner, you know, another cult classic. This is what we'll do. Um, you know, so you'll see the polls beforehand. And uh, you'll you'll be able to help us choose, unless we just decide we're going to choose ourselves and you know damn the torpedoes, so to speak. But like I said, the premise is a cult classic that's non-horror related. So obviously that's you're going to be like, huh? You know, this is a horror podcast, right? Yeah, we are. But you know, we figured uh, this would be a way to kind of sneak in some other stuff like the Warriors that we've always wanted to talk about, just because this is you know yeah. one that one that I believe we all like. Um, yep. You know, uh, not giving much away there, and as far as like this is probably something we've all seen before, and all enjoyed at one point or another. So, um, but yeah, just that's the basic premise of what we're doing here. So this is the first of uh, many to come. You know, in and out throughout. You know, the rest of the existence of the Spook Show, and you know, on to bigger and better things eventually. So I guess I'll throw out the usual information before we dig into it. You can contact us through email by allamericanspookshow at gmail dot com. Message us and find us on Twitter at AA Spook Show. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, the Slasher app, TikTok by searching for All American Spook Show. Uh, all those are down in the Linktree link down below in the show notes. So if you want to uh, click on any of that, you should be able to find all of it right there. And of course, there as well is our YouTube channel. Every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. East, we go live with Deadline Horror News where we talk about the latest headlines and 
uh, horror and uh, news and notes and box office reports and new releases and all that stuff that we do every Wednesday night. Come check that out. It's a live stream. Uh, we also want you to check out our T Public page. Uh, once again, the link is down in the show notes. And you can uh, get logoed merchandise like shirts and stuff and other cool designs that we have there. And, of course, patreon.com slash Show is where you can get our bonus content. We have bonus episodes such as Spook Show Rewinds, where we go back into the, the archives of the Spook Show and talk about some of those early episodes when Donnie wasn't on board and gives him a chance to talk about them, uh, have another conversation about them, give his ratings and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we have Crapster Peace Theater, which hasn't started just yet, probably toward the end of the month, maybe into March. That will be soon. Uh, there is a poll up now that is live that I'm once again completely blanking on. I think it's Mac and Me, the Garbage Pail Kids movie, Star Crash, and one more. Cool as Ice. Cool as Ice, yeah. Um, so we're not going to tell you what the leader in the clubhouse is just yet, but uh, that poll will be wrapping up sooner or later. So it's still out there if you want to go uh, find it on all of our social networks. You can uh, comment your choice, or you can find the poll over on Twitter. Uh, there's various ways you can vote, but you can vote as many times as you want. Help us decide which movie that we're going to be watching for the first edition of Crafts for Peace Theater. So that'll be coming up pretty soon. Uh, we'll you know stay tuned to the socials and the podcasts and YouTube and everything for the latest developments there. So, um, but other other cool stuff too over on Patreon. You know we, we've got the video minisodes where we do the Library of the Professor every Tuesday. Uh, those come out every Tuesday without fail. I don't think we've missed one yet since we started doing it. So you've got that and tons of other cool stuff. So come join us at patreon.com slash Show. Um, so I guess uh, without any further buildup, we'll go ahead and toss up the trailer for the cult classic, The Warriors from 1979. These are the armies of the night. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? The Furies. The Boppers. The Hi-Hats. The Lizzies. The Turnbull ACs. The Gramercy Riffs. Riffs! And these are the Warriors. We know about the Warriors. They're a heavy outfit. They're from Coney Island. Warriors? You guys are the big dudes, huh? Now, they're in the Bronx. We're going back. 27 miles behind enemy lines. It's the only choice we got. Between them and safety, stand 20,000 cops. (laughs) And 100,000 sworn enemies. I want them all. I want all the warriors. They've got one way out. They've got one chance. They've got one night. The Warriors. All right, so there you go. That's the uh, that's the trailer for that. So I, I guess I'll I guess we'll go ahead and go into the background information. I mean, like we're changing it up a little bit from what we normally do here for the cult corner. But you've pretty much come to you know uh, uh, realize and know what we do and how we do it here. So 
I want to let you know right out, you know, on Front Street here, we are a spoiler-filled podcast. Um, so if you have never seen The Warriors from 1979, I suggest hitting pause here, going and checking the movie out, and then coming back because I, I, I don't, I think you'll be, uh, you'll, you'll come in uh, not wanting to have seen these things before you hear us discuss it because we're going to spoil the shit out of them. But we'll go ahead and get into the background information here now. Uh, this movie was released February 9th, 1979 by Paramount Pictures. It was rated R, and the total runtime for it is one hour and 32 minutes. Over on IMDb, it is listed as a action-slash-crime-slash-thriller, and it's actually based on the on the novel of the same name, The Warriors. Um, I'm blanking on the name of the guy that wrote it. Uh, Saul Urich? Yeah, Saul yeah. Urich was his name. Uh, Smoke, this just seems like something you've probably read at some point. Have you ever read the book? Actually, no, no, but uh, honestly, before <laughs> before watching this movie this time around and actually paying attention to the credits at the beginning of it, uh, I would I didn't even realize it was based on a novel. So no. yeah. But I am interested in seeing the novel now that I know. Yeah, I, I'm sure I know Donnie is, too. Donnie's chomping at the bit to order this off Amazon and get right down and dig yeah. in. Is it a picture book? <laughs> I don't <laughs> think so. Yeah, yeah, count me out. <laughs> You tapped out on the old Sesame Street books, huh? Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, like it's—I haven't read the novel either. I just I, honestly, this just seemed like something that uh, Smoke you'd probably read before, so that's why I kind of assumed that. But yeah, I, I wasn't aware either until we started, you know, digging into this one that it was based on a on a novel. Um, so that would be interesting to go back and pull out one of these days and uh, give it a read. Uh, once again, I'm sure Donnie agrees. Um, mm. But it was filmed. It was filmed June 26th through September. In 1978, so really kind of a quick turnaround, right? I mean, like they, I guess they they wrapped up photography in September of 1978, and this bad boy hit the theaters February 9th of 79. So, not a lot of turnaround time there, but it was filmed, of course, on location there at various uh, parts all around New York City. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very New York City of the time and everything, right? Smoke. Oh yeah, yeah, the Bronx and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, just a lot of uh, a lot of cool uh, subway setting city settings even some coastline settings <laughs> yeah yeah mm. all around yeah. i mean and like and these are like you know like where they say they are that's where they are you know kind of stuff like it's it's yeah. totally on on location type stuff the budget that i could find was around four million dollars so pretty cheaply made you know especially for like a big studio uh release of the time you know paramount uh putting this together four millions nothing for them and it went on to a worldwide gross of uh, what I could find twenty two point four million dollars. So, you know, uh, I guess this doesn't necessarily fall under the usual criteria of say like a cult classic as far as like a movie that uh, uh, didn't make a lot of money but then gets kind of a reappraisal later on and becomes like a, a cult hit. But I think critically, that's where this one falls in line, right? Because I think at the time, for various reasons, it kind of got shit on, and then as time has gone, people have gone back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it spawned countless imitations in the time that it, yeah. you know, since it came out. Some of the critic, probably some of the critic backlash was just of its time and, you know, the, the setting, you know, being like in the New York that it was set in and the gangs and all that stuff. I don't know, it just got kind of panned at the time. But, uh, yeah, like I said, later on it got the uh, acclaim that it deserved. Yeah, something, uh, something I had read, but th- they were in the script. Uh, there were over 85 gangs. Uh, they were actually uh, written in the script, um, but you know, only what about a dozen, if not more. Uh, I think we only saw maybe maybe about a dozen or so. Well, as far uh, as the ones that were featured, yeah. But yeah. like at that little 
at that little whatever. gathering at the beginning of yeah. it, whether yeah, that was that's, like you know a hundred of them standing there. Oh yeah, definitely. I think but they. It, I think he even broke the math down, right? He's like, yeah, there's a hundred gangs here, nine nine <laughs> representatives. So if you carry the two, and then <laughs> he's coming up with the math. We got more. We got more soldiers than we got cops. Yep. That's basically how he talks them into it, and, and away we go. But um, I should mention the soundtrack for this. Uh, the, you know, the original motion picture soundtrack. Uh, that came out March 16th of 1979. I think that one was fairly successful for the time. And, uh, of course, it you know, the main the main track there is the one at the very end in the credits, In the City by Joe Walsh. You know, that was, uh, uh, I think that was a pretty big hit for the time. And I think that was pretty much directly written for this, uh, from what I could tell. But there's a few others, on, you know, a few other tracks on there by, by Mandrill and a, a couple cuts from Desmond Child and Barry DeVores. And f- compliments the film well, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, including the not just the regular track like that, you know, the musical artist track, but the actual. And I'm blanking on the actual composer, but the synthesizer tracks were cool too, and and fairly fresh for the time because we're talking 19, making it in '78, going into '79. Synthesizers were still pretty uh fairly new to sound, film soundtracks at the time. You had mentioned uh, the composer. Um, that is actually something we have added to uh, uh, the Spook Show for uh, uh, Crip Connections to you know kind of kind of go go back and uh since music is such a big part of movies uh that's that's something that we've we've actually added to uh track the composers uh but the uh composer for uh the warriors was barry devorzen yeah who who i just mentioned had uh, a track or two on that album so i think that album might actually have been one like it was like a soundtrack album right like it's not a whole Mm -hmm. score album per se but it did have a lot of the score on there if i'm not mistaken yeah i don't know how many tracks but and also the one that i listened to that i have like on spotify and whatnot i don't know if that's like been a re-release soundtrack i don't know what the original soundtrack had on it but besides the joe walsh and the uh, desmond child and the other tracks mentioned and a handful of the uh composer soundtracks as well I know that's the one that Spotify has quite a few. It, I mean, you know. there might have been another release, but yeah, probably what we're, we're looking at here, it's probably the same one. Um, but it's, mm. it's a good, solid soundtrack, definitely of the time, and it works well You know, with the way they filmed it and everything. I mean, it all makes sense. Although it is still a little weird like to have the Joe Walsh song at the end. I know I get it. Like the, Lyrically, it makes sense, but it just kind of like, what the fuck? The Eagles? You know, And it's not <laughs> the Eagles, right? It's just Joe Walsh, but still, it sounds like the Eagles. All of a sudden, popping yeah. up at the end of this gritty movie about New York City gangs, you know. Mm. <laughs> then all of a sudden, in the city, you know, so, what? <laughs> Wait, you just, what? You're almost expecting like a freeze frame of him like holding his fist up in the air, you know, like yeah. <laughs> like the ending for uh, Over the Top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which there's another cult corner. Yeah, that I was about to say. Oh, there you oh, are. Yeah. <laughs> That one may, might be one of the ones where we have to make an executive decision to just like, well, you know, no poll. We're doing over the top. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's and also that we probably won't be able to wait till next January. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like that that's the, uh, the the word on the street here in the Spook, in the Spook Show universe is that we might have another uh, series up our sleeves eventually one of these days that we're not going to go deep into. But, you know, it might be fodder is all I'm saying if you get my drift. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. You never know. So one of the interesting little tidbits that I found was one of the actors in the movie was the guy that played Fox. You remember the guy that ended up getting, like, uh, tossed into the train? So, you know, spoiler alert, like we said already, right? Oh, yeah. The guy that gets flipped and tossed into a train and killed. 
that actor was Thomas G. Waits. Now, mm-hmm. apparently, like, you know, at the time, I guess Walter Hill, who directed this, kind of saw him as, like, uh, the next big thing, so to speak. So, while they were making the movie, Hill offered him a drink, which I guess they were somewhere, and he offered him a drink, and then Waits refused, and then it, it ended up, like, resulting in a rift between the two that just, as they were making the movie in the summer and everything, just got worse and worse, like, just because he didn't want to have a drink with him. It just like, man, fuck you, fuck you kind of thing, right? So much so that at one point, Waits threatened to report the uh, working conditions on the on the, of, on the movie to uh, you know the Screen Actors Guild. Finally, after eight weeks in the principal photography, and I'm just going to read this straight off of the uh, article here. When the tension on set between Waits and Hill reached the breaking point, Hill demanded that stunt coordinator Craig Baxley improvise a stunt scene in which Waits' character will be killed. Stunned, Baxley demurred, such a critical scene would take careful planning, but Hill was insistent. I don't give a shit how you kill him. Just kill him. Baxley recalls the director saying, kill him, multiple times. So then Baxley found a crew member who resembled Waits and staged a scene in which the character is thrown off a subway platform in front of, a, <laughs> in front of an approaching train. The quote from uh, Waits was, it was like someone cut my soul out and left a shell. Uh, he would later demand that his name be removed from the cast altogether, and he remains uncredited to this day. So if you go on IMDb... That's true. ...and you look for him, he is not... It's an uncredited role, Thomas G. Waits. So I just thought that was crazy. Like, <laughs> all over, basically, just refusing to have a drink with him. Kill him. <laughs> Execute Order 66. <laughs> and then he just fucking... He just fucking barrel-rolled him <laughs> off of the... Uh, off of the subway platform and killed him out of the movie. The end. Get out of here. But yeah, that'll naturally, I guess, lead us into uh, the, the the cast here. Let's see. Oh, I got, well, you know, before that, I'll go into some of the crew behind. Like I just mentioned, it was directed by Walter Hill. And he would be best known for uh, 48 Hours, um, Aliens, Alien 3, of course, this one. Tons of others. I mean, a lot of the, uh, a lot of episodes of Tales from the Crypt. Um, tons of stuff. Um, you know, we don't need to get de- that, take a deep dive into Walter Hill. But needless to say... There'll be some other stuff that this dude is working on that will come up here on the Cult Corner series and just our regular um, episodes of the podcast. Uh, one thing i got to mention, though, I can't wait till we get to, at some point, a personal favorite of mine is uh, Southern Comfort. I don't know if y'all seen that one yet. I don't know if I... I don't recall it's if fun. I've ever seen that before, but I know of the movie, yeah. Writing credits, like I mentioned, it's based on, on the novel by Sol Urich. Uh, the screenwriters were David Shaber and Walter Hill himself. The cast, let's see, we've got Michael Beck, Swan, you know, he's basically the de facto leader of the Warriors throughout the film. Um, he would best be known for uh, this, of course, and uh, the uh, one, one of Will's favorite movies, Xanadu, with uh, Olivia Newton-John. I love that movie. Yeah, well, I shouldn't oh, even yeah. have had. I sh- shouldn't even I don't know. Yeah, Xanadu. <laughs> that would be awesome. I, I don't know. Is that on Colt Corner? Or is that Crapster piece? I don't know. Flip a coin. Uh, it could be. It could be. Either, uh, I don't. Probably Crapster piece. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've got, he was also known for uh, uh, Megaforce, and uh, apparently he had a big role in that series, that CBS series, Jag. Or at least uh, he showed up on an episode of it that I'm seeing here. But <laughs> recognizable face, you know, and didn't go on the craziest success, but he's been in a number of things, so you would recognize him. Arguably, probably more successful was the guy that played Ajax, James Remar. Um, not a big, like, leading, car- you know, role kind of guy, but... Uh, he went on to be in a, a, a ton of movies. You know, he's got 175 acting credits on IMDb. Lots of television shows. Like most recently, like he was in that CW show, The Black, uh, Black Lightning, uh, the remake of Magnum PI. Tons of TV shows. 
and bit like character character roles. I'm sorry, what Donnie? Dexter. Yeah, just smaller roles, and you mm-hmm. know he was in Forty Eight Hours, uh, the original Miami Vice, Drugstore Cowboy, t- tons of other stuff. Tales from the Dark Side of the movie. We've got uh, uh, although it's a. Uh, well, it isn't brief. I was thinking of the other guy, the, the guy that the, the original leader of the Warriors was Cochise, right? I think he. he no, he, it was uh, Cleon. Was it Cleon? Okay, okay. Cleon. I'm thinking the opposite way. Cleon uh, lasted further into the movie, um, but he was uh, played by Dorsey Wright, who's best mm-hmm. known for this and Hair. Even that, uh, 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 where well, there was another movie called The Hotel New Hampshire, mm-hmm. but he was even one of the voices in that video game. Um, I guess we should mention that for a second. Like, I remember that game coming out, but I don't remember ever playing it. Did either of you yeah. guys ever get a hold of it? I definitely played that game, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 one of my favorites uh, on PS2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I love the game definitely. Wasn't that an exclusive too? Yep. Just on PlayStation, you mean? Yeah, yeah. it was just on just on PS2. It was okay. exclusive. Yeah, that might be one of those ones I have to track down one of these days and play. But we've got uh, the character of Snow was played by Brian Taylor, best known for this and Vamp Bikers. We've got Cochise was played by David Harris. He was known for this and Fatal Beauty, Brew Baker, Dead End City, 54 acting credits over there on IMDb. Tom McKitter, uh, yeah, McKitterick played Cowboy. This is the only credit that I ever... That yep. I, and the funny thing is, like, he looks, for some reason to me, he looks familiar. Maybe it's just because I've watched this movie a handful of times, but, like, he looks familiar from something else. But apparently on IMDb, the only credit the dude has is this. Yeah, that was yeah. his uh, his only uh, uh, credit. And also uh, Dennis Gregory, uh, who played, his, his, his name was never never mentioned. I know we'll, we'll get into that. But uh, uh, his, uh, he played one of the uh, Riff leaders, um, you know, you mentioned we're a spoiler, spoiler-filled podcast, yeah, I mean, but uh, um, he essentially took over for you know the slain Cyrus. Uh, without going through the the rest of the uh, the whole Warriors gang, there I'll mention just a few more. Uh, the part of Mercy was played by Deborah Van Valkenburg. She would be best known for this and Streets of Fire. Uh, she was in uh, uh, a lot of other television shows like Quantum Leap, Too Close for Comfort, stuff like that throughout the. Throughout her career, Roger Hill plays Cyrus. I only mention that because you know he's got one of the probably the most memorable line of the movie, even though he's only in it for like the first five minutes. Uh, the old "Can you dig it?" scene. He's he's known for uh, this, of course, would be the main thing. But uh, he doesn't have a lot of credits. Mostly, it's like some soap operas, like "One Life to Live," "Once Upon a Classic." I guess I'm not sure what. I guess that's another series. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a series at, uh, back in the '70s that he was in. But yeah, not not a lot of credits. But, you know, it's, he has a big moment in this movie, so it's worth mentioning. And then, of course, uh, Luther, the, the leader of the Rogues, was played by David Patrick Kelly. Now, he's probably the most successful, right, arguably, out of all, yeah. outside of maybe James Remar or something from the, the cast yeah. of this movie. Um, yeah, good point. Yeah. Uh, he is best known for uh, Twin Peaks, The Crow, Flags of Our Fathers, Last Man Standing, that great uh, Bruce Willis flick from uh, 1996. Uh, mm-hmm. A handful of other things. Matter of fact, he's already been in a movie that we have talked about here on the Spook Show. Mm-hmm. He was in VFW back uh, early last year when we talked about that. So, uh, yeah, once again, another recognizable face. So I, I guess that's really like the principal cast and all the players that we needed to go through here. Did uh, you guys have anything else 
uh, before we uh, go through the movie? Yeah, this movie would have been, I don't know, dramatically different if uh, two people would have accepted roles in this movie. Instead of Michael Beck, apparently it was uh, offered to Tony Danza. <laughs> I he turned it down to go take a uh, spot in taxi. Yep. Oh, wow. I don't know if he would have held the same gravitas as Michael Beck, but <laughs> I guess that's because you see him as more of a comedy, again, you know, you comedy think guy. 1970, yeah. I mean, you know, 1978, 1979, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It definitely would have would have changed the movie drastically. So, yeah. <laughs> and 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 probably would have changed Taxi, right? You know, one of the great sitcoms of the of the time period. Also, you mentioned uh, Tom McKitterick. Uh, this was his first role uh, as, well, actually only role mm-hmm. as a uh, cowboy. Um, cowboy was also uh, offered to Robert De Niro, uh, yeah. but he turned it down. Yeah, well, he would have been big shit by this time, right? Like, he'd already... Right? Taxi driver. Well, yeah. actually, no. I don't know what... Smoke, you know more about the time That's period. A, taxi, driver. Uh, taxi driver was 76, but, uh, yeah, he was big time after that. I can't remember right now when... Uh, what was Raging Bull? Was that before or after Taxi Driver? Yeah. 1980. So it was after it was after uh, Warriors. Oh, so roughly, 1980. Roughly, okay, so he, was probably, he probably turned it down to do that. I would imagine. I was about to say, yeah, because t- time period-wise, that probably jives. Like, he probably would have been working on that, you know, or about to. Because, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, this was a fast turnaround. They, they shot this in the summer of 78, and then, you know, it was out by February of 79. So, yeah, he, he might have been working on that. But, yeah, that would have been a big get for sure. Tony Danza, who knows, right? Like, at that point, I don't think he was, you know, that big a deal. But, yeah, that's interesting. Oh, uh, there was the uh, the thing about uh, the Warriors. Where were they from again? I'm, I'm spacing. Coney Island. Coney Island, yeah. Coney Island. Apparently, there was a uh, gang there called the Homicides. Yeah. And they did not take too kindly to uh, the Warriors saying that they were from there. So, like, they had to have the uh, all of the Warrior uh wardrobe off of them anytime they you know step foot outside of the, the filming area yeah that's another thing about this too like a lot of the guys especially in that opening scene uh you know with the big crowd of the gangs and all that there are real gangs in there like maybe not whole gangs and stuff like that but there are guys that are in gangs in that scene so like they had apparently some of them tried to start some shit with the actors and stuff too like yeah. it, it was a custom it was a constant thing, like kind of keeping the real gang separated from the fake gang, so to speak. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a thing. Yeah, I think there was like a like a total of like a thousand extras in that scene. I don't doubt it. I think is what I read. There's a there's a shit ton of people they had there, no doubt. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a if it was a thousand people or close to it. But yeah, like I said, they shot the entire thing there on the streets of New York, where you know I guess there was a lot of gang activity and stuff going on in a lot of these places too. So like. In certain spots where they were filming, they'd run into trouble. Like, they had bricks thrown at them and stuff. And apparently, like, I guess uh, there was a, a damn, like, double homicide that happened in one of the spots where they were filming. So, I, I guess, like, some, some of the uh, shot locations got canceled because of that. Cause I guess they don't want to go to a place where a double homicide just went down. So, you know, let's just let's just film right. over here kind of stuff. But, yeah, like, lots of stuff like that, man. Like, this was not, uh, it doesn't read to me like this was easily achieved. Because of all these, uh, you know, real life issues that they uh, kept running into, and they had to hire like off-duty cops um, to kind of mix into the crowd in that beginning scene and everything, just so they wouldn't get, you know, I guess so some of the actors wouldn't get jumped. Yeah, they also um, hired a a real gang 
to guard the production trucks uh, for like 500 bucks a day. Yeah, you know, you think in, in that time, 500 bucks a day, shit. I mean, even now, if you're making 500 bucks a day, whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's a whole gang that's still, you know, it's a little different. And changes in the story and stuff, too, you know, played them. Because, like, I think, like, during the filming and everything, they were kind of changing stuff up. Like, you know, like we just talked about with Fox and everything. Like, get him out of mm-hmm. here. You know, k- kill him. There was another, apparent, uh, another twist was apparently the character of Fox was supposed to end up with Mercy. But uh, while, and this was supposed to happen... While Swan was captured by a rival homosexual gang known as the Dingoes, and then eventually he was going to escape. Yeah. However, uh, uh, when they, I guess when they watched the dailies and everything, and they were going through it, he realized that you know the guy that played uh, Swan Beck and Van Valkenburg, Mercy, uh, they had great chemistry. So the script was rewritten so that their characters ended up together. So that was another one of those things that just like well, I mean that just completely changes the movie right there in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of little tidbits and in- interesting information. I mean, I-, I would advise you to watch some documentary, you know, like behind the scenes, making of type stuff, and just look up some stuff if you really like this movie. Just to, uh, you know, in the interest of time, we'll cut it short there as far as like this background stuff. But there really is a lot of stuff um, that you can find out about this movie. And I guess it's that kind of goes hand in hand with just it being a cult classic, like it is, right? Like when you get these, when you get these kind of movies. Uh, where a lot of people really like them like that. They tend to, like, dig up more information. So it's kind of like when we did Jaws, in a sense, where, like, man, that was one where there was just, like, a a ton of information. We could have done two episodes just talking about the first Jaws movie and and the making of and all the background stuff. And this one kind of feels that way, too. Like, there's a lot of uh, 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 cool random stories and stuff that happened on the making of this movie. Mr. Projectionist, stop the show. Here's great news you ought to know. We've just got a shipment of taste-thrilled treats, all tip-top quality and delicious eats. There are hot dogs and popcorn and candy galore. There are soft drinks and coffee and a whole lot more. So direct your steps to our refreshment stand to enjoy the finest snacks in all the land. As always, for you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show Horror Podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. So, obviously, we're talking about the Warriors here in our first Cult Corner uh, episode. So, uh, and we've learned here today that the book was written, or or there was a book written by Saul Urich that this movie was based upon. So, naturally, I go to check on Audible, and there it is. There is the Audible version of The Warriors by Saul Urich, narrated by Joel Richards, and it is 7 hours and 19 minutes long. So uh, if you'd like to go check out that version of it to see, you know, uh, how it differs. And and from what I've read, there's a lot of differences between this book and, you know, what we ended up, you know, watching here with this movie. So if uh, it interests you to go check that out, you can use your Audible credit to go get that book. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash bookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash bookshow for your free audio book. So I guess we'll go ahead and uh, get into the nitty-gritty here. Now, like I said, spoiler alert, you know, we've given some stuff away already, but just, you know, to warn you yet again, we're about to go deep into some uh, some spoilers, and then we're going to discuss the movie and, you know, spoil it even further there. So fair warning. Um, can you dig it? <laughs> if you can <laughs> dig it, you need to pause it and then come dig it some more. All right, so... <laughs> The leader of the gang, the Gramercy Riffs, Cyrus, calls a meeting to bring all the New York gangs together. Luther, who is the leader of the rogues, shoots and kills Cyrus. So, 
basically, you know, you learn later in the movie for no particular reason whatsoever. I think he even says, like, I just like that kind of shit. Something like that, right? Yeah. But, like, the dude, yeah, yeah. The dude that's trying to bring them all together, uh, you know, he gets shot and killed right there. So Fox, who's a member of the Warriors gang, sees him. He sees who, you know, he sees uh, Luther, who shot Cyrus. So he, uh, so then, of course, Luther turns around and he blames the Warriors for it. He says, it was them. I saw it. It was the Warriors that shot him. So the Rifts take out the Warriors leader, the warlord, Cleon. Now, it's unclear, like, did they, did they kill him? I mean, you probably assume they killed him, right? Yeah. But you don't really see it, like, go down. You just They all kind of just close in on him and just start kicking and beating the shit out of him. So it's safe to say that Cleon probably got killed there, right? Yeah. Either way, he's out of the picture. So the war chief of the warrior, Swan, basically takes over from that point. Um, so they run away because the cops show up, and they run away, and it's chaos. And But me- meantime, they're not realizing that they've been framed for this like they're not aware that they've been that they've been framed for killing cyrus so they're just trying to make it back home to coney island but they think there's a a truce going on between all the uh the gangs um but obviously they're wrong but so on the way back to coney island they battle the turnbull acs the orphans and then that's when they pick up mercy it's a a girl that's basically like the girlfriend of the leader of the orphans who for just no apparent reason just decides like fuck it i'm in with the warriors so <laughs> right she <laughs> she uh follows them along uh they get split up by the police along the way fox ends up fighting one of the cops and then he's thrown into a train and and, and fucking you know mutilated the other gang members battle the baseball furies and then they win the battle and then right after that, Ajax, who uh, is trying to hit on an undercover cop, gets arrested, so he's out. A, f- a handful of the other guys in, in the Warriors, they get seduced by another gang. Well, they didn't realize it was a gang. They just thought it was a, a group of ladies called the Lizzies. Um, once they realize that, they're like kind of seduced by them or whatever. And then, of course, the Lizzies turn on them and try to kill them. And they, they escape the attack, but then that's where they learn that they were framed. Because I think one of the Lizzies tells them, like, uh, you killed Cyrus or, you know, whatever the line was. So now they realize, oh, shit, we're being framed for this. So they all reunite. And then they end up battling a roller skating gang called the Punks. <laughs> a lot of fighting with baseball bats and stuff, right, between the, the Baseball Fury stuff and the Punks and all that. Then the Riffs, through another a, a guy from another gang, they learned that all along that it was Luther from the Rogues that did this, that killed Cyrus. And it wasn't, the, you know, the Warriors. So the Warriors finally managed to make it back to Coney Island. They have this big face-off with the Rogues, and Swan and Luther are, you know, kind of like, let's, let's just handle this one-on-one. And Swan just throws a knife into Luther's arm, and then he just goes down real quick. Like, <laughs> and meanwhile, he's got a gun, right? But then, of course, right at that moment, the Rifts show up, and they basically let the Warriors walk. Like, so, you know, <laughs> sorry for the inconvenience. You can walk away now. And then they just kind of surround the rogues, and you, you assume they probably kill and or beat the shit out of the rogues. And that's pretty much the end of the movie, right? Like, literally, <laughs> literally the warriors are walking down the beach, and, you know, um, the Joe Walsh song is playing. So, there you go. That is the warriors from 1979. So, I guess my first question is, why the hell are there so many gangs in New York City? <laughs> I mean... It's, well. Smoke, maybe you know the history of New York City gangs more than more than the rest of us. Uh, why the hell do you really think there were this many gangs? I don't know. The, I don't know. I don't. I don't know the history that well enough. To, I don't know if there was that many named gangs. Or I mean, there may have very well been 
I don't know if there's that many gang members as they say as well, too, because they say how many were there? I forget how many he says were there, but then there was also another 20,000 or so that were in the wings, so to speak. Yeah. That were not organized yet, but are, he's, you know, he's doing be called upon uh, type thing. He's doing because, it, yeah. uh, They basically come up with almost 100,000. <laughs> yeah, like Cyrus uh, is I'm pretty sure that's what they, uh, you know, exaggerated estimates. <laughs> yeah, like Cyrus is doing he, the math, that, and I think he comes up with like eighty or 90,000 gangs or something, right? Something, some yeah. number like that. Yeah, I looked it up. Uh, New York City is actually th- over 300 square miles. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of turf. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, yeah. they even say it like uh, uh, they got to get from, uh, I can't remember where they start, but they got to get to Coney uh, Island. The Bronx to yeah. uh, Coney Island. Whatever part. I can't remember the name of the park they were at, but wherever the big meeting was. Oh, uh, yeah. It was, um, yeah. You know what? I actually, I've got a buddy that does uh, uh works in uh, locations um but yeah i was talking with with him about it and we were talking about the uh um you know the uh the park where they actually met at which is you know still still there and still active still vibrant um but yeah i I don't remember the name of the park well regardless wherever they started from to get to Coney Island, I think they're like, man, Coney Island's got to be 50, 100 miles away. Jeez, now, I actually, like I actually looked at it, and apparently it was 30 miles away, like legit, Jeez. 30 miles from, uh, you know, where they were to Coney Island. So that that's, yeah, that's pretty fucking crazy. That's a whole. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you've got all these uh, organized gangs coming after your ass throughout the entire city. <laughs> so I'm thinking they were just exaggerating, you know, like 50, 100 miles. No, it was, you know, it was legit 30, but, you know, yeah. it's not as far as that, but still, that's pretty far. Yeah, yeah, something, you know, when we were watching the, uh, well, I, you know, as as the movie goes on, you see the, you know, the different costumes or whatever the uh, the gangs are in. I saw the, uh, I think it was the, uh, it was the Electric Eliminators had those uh, satin jackets. I was like, holy shit, we need some satin spook show jackets. Oh, man, I'm I'm totally in if we're... We're gonna if make we can get those. spook show satin jackets. <laughs> Be awesome. I don't. I, I need to check over on uh, T Public to see if that's an option to get the logo <laughs> to get the logo put on a satin jacket. Maybe that's that's one we can all get Will to pay for. He can uh, get us all satin jackets, right? Yeah, I'm just worried about everybody thinking we're in Greece. <laughs> <laughs> you mean it wouldn't come off as a cool gang? We would just come off as some guys that like musicals? I don't know, man. We. <laughs> We got. Well, we do run around what? singing and snapping our fingers a lot. You got to give us more street cred than that, sure, Jesus. <laughs> um, what what did you guys think about the radio DJ, like the little you know interstitials uh, throughout the movie? Like, <laughs> she's very fucking informed, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The only thing. Knows what's going the, the 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 main the main thing I could think of was. Word travels way too fucking fast for 1979, right? <laughs> yeah, like I, I noticed her voice immediately from uh, uh, "Where in the World Is uh, Carmen Sandiego?" Yeah, I had, I noticed her immediately. I think uh, Lynn Thigpen was the uh, the actress, but also like, why was she there? Like, why was she exactly. a part of the? Like, what's up with her? You mean like, why did they put that in the movie? Yeah, well, it's like, well, yeah, it's what's a, up with it's, that? I think it's kind of uh, functions as a narrator, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to kind of speed things along because they're literally going 30 miles across the city. So, like, yeah, that's true. You know, this is a way to kind I of mean, speed things up without seeing it. I assume that, that she was in with the gang that was in charge of everything. 
and this is their way to get the word out to all the gangs all at once. Now, I think in, after you see her for the first time, there's one guy holding a boombox up to his head as they're walking, but you don't hear him listening. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> like, think... I don't think anybody listens to this, because if they did, wouldn't the cops know about this? And then <laughs> kind of follow up on this Wouldn't they just show? stop it? Like, oh, shit, the, the warriors are going to be over here. Let's just stop this now. Like, this is this is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be that this like gang code like certain songs she plays is a certain okay oh yeah she's playing this song so we're meeting up on you know <laughs> I think we're taking this over to 30 I, seconds I think the way the movie plays out you're led to believe that the Gramercy riffs are like the big dogs right like they're the big mm. they're the big yeah, yeah. Uh, gang or club or whatever right so like I think you'd have to believe that the radio DJ she's in league with the Gramercy riffs you know, yeah. so I think that's, I guess, the natural connection you should make. Yeah. But yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty uh, clever way of kind of like speeding the story along and making things make sense. Especially, like I said, it's not like, you know, like today you'd be like, well, shit, you know, you're going to find out where everybody's at on Twitter and stuff like that. You know, like um, yeah. <laughs> back then, I guess that would have been the only way, like if you got to get word out fast, you know. You know, something else is that, you know, we didn't really uh, kind of put this in the show notes or anything, but uh, uh, just something, uh, you know, if you were part of, uh, I guess, today's generation where you grew up with smartphones and, you know, all of that, and you're watching this movie where, you know, obviously that didn't exist back then, you're just, you're seeing like a, uh, well, I guess you could call it a dolly shot of, uh, you know, just guys sitting on a bus just staring forward you know it's just like a different type of um you know well just definitely, they just they're just staring world. forward yeah you know it's like yeah well, you know, like to, like today everybody be on their cell phones on exactly the, yeah. Way, like, yeah occupying a, doing something yeah yeah it's just like you know what did you do when you know and maybe i guess today's generation they don't really think about you know, what did you guys do before you had cell phones? Well, that's what you did. You just kind of <laughs> sat there, looked looked ahead, and you thought about shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's pretty much it. You just sit around and thought about shit. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a simple way to put it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Now, I kind of alluded to it there, different topic, you know, when I was explaining the movie. But why the hell does Mercy go with the Warriors? Like, like I think the only even attempt at an explanation was like i just want some action or something yeah, that's like, exactly what she said like, <laughs> oh some kind of horror don't call me a whore that's what she said yeah, that's, that's what it came off as i mean even the yeah. dialogue even from her mouth was kind of like she was sort of like bloody but then then you know it, then you realize that it's like she's the romance angle with uh what's the what's the leader's name uh, uh swan swan yeah swan. They, they become romantic romantically linked or whatever so i guess you figure well you know it, was she <laughs> virtuous I mean, did she just she just had a thing for him and so she followed him for that or, you know even though she comes off as sort of a hoe at first you know, yeah. just from her own <laughs> yeah i think you you totally take the assumption that she is a whore but then i guess she's not a whore i don't know what the hell she is she's just, you know, she's she's an inner city girl that's never seen the ocean so yeah <laughs> well she was running with the uh the orphans so maybe she was a orphan and, uh, Boo. <laughs> What's and like that's the other thing too. Like you know, <laughs> the question that I wrote was, do New York City gangs have makeup artists? So like <laughs> that that's the thing. Like 
some of these are way, I, well, not some of them, all of them are way too organized, in my opinion, for like gangs, right? They would just, to me, it'd be like gangs, like, well, you got anybody that'd be willing to fucking like steal shit and kill? All right, come hang out. Now you have to, <laughs> now you have to bring makeup artists in, you know, because like, especially like the baseball furies, right? Like that's the whole thing. Like, is there one of the gang members that just applies the makeup? Uh, do they all do it themselves? When you're in the gang, like, is your initiation, you pass it, right? All right, man, here's your uniform. Yeah. Oh, you're serious. This is a uniform. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, gangs will be, at most, the quote-unquote uniform will be a coat. Like we said, the satin jackets, right? That, that'd be the extent of it. Or maybe, yeah. we, maybe we all wear the same color bandana or shirt or something. But no, they went the extra mile. They all have themes. They must. Yeah. They must work. Purple vests and uh, fedoras. They must workshop these themes off of other gangs. Like, well, you know that that crew over there. They do the same thing. Uh, mm, we can't do that. Uh, let's think of something Gotta else. Wear you know? hammer pants. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, the we'll crab walk everywhere. Meanwhile, the orphans are literally just. They're just dirty. Yeah. They all wear brown shirts and have like mud. You know, like dirt on their faces. So. <laughs> yeah. I guess orphans don't ever bathe or something. You remember there was that one scene too on the uh, on the subway whenever Swan and and uh, Mercy were on there. And then then those prom the people from the prom. I guess you assume they're from a prom or some sort of dance. They look like they stepped out of Saturday Night Fever. You know, yeah. they get on the train, the sort of upper class. So you have that moment of like upper middle class versus yeah, you know, the ghetto or whatever. And you, they kind of look at each other and everything. And then the, then the prom one of them drops their flowers right, and then. Uh, picks it up on his way out and says, well, I don't like to see anything go to waste or whatever. <laughs> so this yeah. is that strange yeah. sort of like class, class tension scene right there. Yeah, it looks like they just rolled out of Studio 54 and got on the train and... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it's weird. There was no like, there was no, you know, like the game, you know, Swan and then we're going to like intimidate them or beat the shit out of them or something because it, it was just this weird little they notice each other and notice the differences and then they decide to get off at the next stop and that was it. <laughs> It was just a strange little thing just added in there, I guess, to show that, like I said, just the class difference. Well, a lot of things added in. Like we said, the fox thrown in front of the train, you know, the subway train scene. And, and uh, yeah. clearly now knowing what we know after reading that little bit with the director and everything, they didn't even really address it, right? Like, did they even bring it up with the other gang members? Oh, yeah, by the way, <laughs> fucking fox was thrown in front of a train. <laughs> I've been meaning to bring that up. <laughs> it was like the director. That's probably like the script right the director wanted to kill him off it's like fuck this guy so yeah. then it just became they just didn't even bother to fix the script afterwards it's like he's yeah he's, he's just he's persona talking. non grata like fuck that guy we're never mentioning fox again you know <laughs> yeah yeah something else that actually uh happened in that scene uh when there was the you know well i don't know if it was a stunt double or you know another uh member of the crew um either way the actor uh who was running with mercy of you know that was playing fox um Mercy actually uh, fell and broke her wrist uh, because the actor wouldn't let go of her hand. So you see her later on, and you know she's approaching uh, Swan. Um, she's wearing a jacket, and he asked her, you know, where'd you get that jacket? She said, you know, she stole it. Hmm. Well, that jacket was actually designed to cover up the cast that was on her on her hand. Uh, yeah, like she to me, like uh, she really serves no purpose in the movie. To be honest with you, like. I get it, like, she's there for, like, the, the romantic bit, right, to, to give Swan a love interest, all that, but, like, is it necessary? Like, 
Did they really have no. to have that at all? I guess back then they figured they needed it. You I know, guess. to have like the maybe maybe they figured they were trying to aim for some of the female audience. You know, like <laughs> have something for them to your average female audience to kind of latch onto. Oh, there's a romance angle here. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's reason enough. I guess, but I could see myself in this whore. <laughs> 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 yes. Well, she she's not a whore. Wait a minute. What? Oh, God. <laughs> you see a lot of your whore self coming out in there, Willie. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty. You dig whore. it? <laughs> Shut your whore mouth and go back to Whore Island. <laughs> Speaking of Whore Island, what's your what's your favorite line? I mean, I guess it's "Can you dig it?" Right? I mean, that's the one everybody. Uh, brings up, but you got the come out to play. You got that, and <laughs> what else? <laughs> oh, yes, speaking of that too, like listening to this movie again recently. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it. I never really realized how many samples have been taken from this movie. In you know, like being, I mean, at one time I was kind of a DJ and like the electronic, you know, techno scene and all that stuff. Like, how many samples were used from this movie in various tracks from techno to hip hop throughout the years? Yeah. Um, not everyone. I mean, a ton of them. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna take this bat and shove it up your ass and make you a popsicle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was actually uh, it was ranked number twelve uh, on Hugo's top fifty top fifty uh, tough guy lines. Oh, so that, I thought that was cool. The popsicle line. Yeah. That was awesome. I yeah. I, you know, I just think that's a underrated underrated line. Doesn't get enough love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, there's also a lot of dropping of a uh, certain term that we can't really yeah. politically correct to yeah. say these days that, yeah. was, uh, Aj- that was dropped a few times. And- yeah, Ajax, yeah. like, that's his go-to, apparently. Like, he's going <laughs> to drop the F-bomb anytime he questions anybody. Yeah. Uh, good. Yeah. Thank God. I guess they didn't come up against the, uh, what was that other gang? I can't remember the name of them. Oh, the, uh, the, the one Mandingo's that was... Mandingo's. Let's see, there's 85 of them. So uh. no, no, it was the it was the gang that was supposed to be the yeah uh, the dingoes, the supposed supposedly the homosexual gang. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of what they were kind of going for a little bit with the Lizzies too, right? Yeah, I was gonna mention that too. Yeah, yeah. the name. Yeah, yeah. They, they, that that tip them off that maybe they're not. Yeah, but <laughs> like they don't really like us for ourselves. Yeah. They're called the Lizzies for no. None of those guys got the clue. They didn't get the memo. They just mm. they're just like, yep, I'm just gonna get me some tonight. Yeah, everybody was hard up in this movie. <laughs> well, I don't know about everybody, but hey, like, yeah, like uh, hey, a lot of them were. Well, everybody in the Warriors, except for Swan, right? Like he's got. Well, mer- actually, no. Uh, uh, Rembrandt, Rembrandt didn't. Uh, he was he was the only one out of uh, Cochise I, and uh, Vermin. I, I kind of read. Not- I kind of read that he was like young. You know, that's kind of the way I felt. Like they were playing that. Like he was, you know, younger than the rest. Like. They kind of played yeah. him like he's only like you know say fourteen, fifteen or whatever. So he's not for whatever mm-hmm. reason. You That's know, true. He's not down, you know, yet quite yet. He's like, I just want to get out of here, you know, that kind of thing. So, <laughs> yeah. Swan, Swan. I mean, like he's got mercy up his ass, but like he wants none of it. Like <laughs> for some, like, for, for some reason, to yeah, we got to get to Coney Island. Then we'll deal with it later, I guess. But. <laughs> But meanwhile, they're already talking about like moving away and living together. I don't know. It was just the whole thing was weird. It was a weird dynamic. Yeah. It was a whole yeah, world after us. Maybe, maybe they were uh, making him that way so that he didn't seem like he was also like, you know, like a male whore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, he's kind of virtuous. He's kind of like playing sort of hard to get with her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's 
then he does like fall for kind of story. He's like, all right, well, come on. You know, like everywhere he goes, he's like, come on, let's go. <laughs> all right, the question I, the, the next question I pose is, who's the worst shot, the Lizzies or the or Stormtroopers from Star Wars? Oh, that's <laughs> tough, man. I mean, they yeah. had them. They had them dead to fucking rights. Yeah, I will say the stormtroopers. They didn't even, they didn't even they had, hit their body, you know. No, you're thinking at least one of those guys are going to catch a bullet, you know, like in the arm or something, but not like yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Then again, there were there were more of them with guns, you know, and they, you know, there's only only one, you know, only one way out that we saw. Yeah, well, they, they got out pretty easily considering. I was going to say stormtroopers because you know they had. <laughs> They were parentally uh, bad in each uh, yeah. each variation. Of- I think I think that's the that's the right answer is the stormtroopers because <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, like I mean, 11, 11 well, films. Trained uh, military, you know. <laughs> yeah, quote unquote trained military, and then yeah, they can't hit anything. Eleven <laughs> films. How many how many TV shows, cartoons? They never hit with <laughs> anything. Mm. I guess. What did y'all think of the uh, the final scene with the rogues and the warriors and the rifts and everything? Just the way it ended and the way it played out and everything. Like, what were your thoughts on that that final battle, quote unquote? <laughs> I thought it was, I, the lead up was cool. It's just and then like you know, throwing the switchblade and his sticking his arm that was cool. No, but it it seems just a little bit anticlimactic there as far as yeah leading up to this big scene of here's the guy that killed uh uh what's his name Cyrus. The, the leader of the game at the beginning. Cyrus, I mean, he's got him straight up murdered him, and you know that now you got him in your sights, so to speak, and then you, it's just a showdown or whatever, and then you just whoop, you throw your switchblade in his arm, and then the other guy, the wrist show up, and then it's over, yeah. and then they you assume they kill him or beat him to death or beat the shit out of him or whatever they do. Assume you kill, they, you assume they killed him, but you don't see anything. You know, it was great and it was cool little ending and all of it. Just I thought it was a little bit anticlimactic there for me. Have uh, maybe I'm reading this wrong. I don't know. <laughs> Has everybody seen Revenge of the Nerds? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's probably one for the cult corner. Um, but we've all seen it though, right? That's the question, yeah. right? We've all seen it. Do you remember at the very end when the nerds are saved by Lambda, Lambda, Lambda? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the last second, yeah. That's kind of the way I felt at the end of this movie. It's like Lambda, Lambda, <laughs> Lambda. The main chapter just showed up, and <laughs> all right, warriors, you can go that way. We'll take care of the rest of this. <laughs> <laughs> And then all of a sudden, uh, we are the champions. Like, we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got, I got a little bit of that vibe going there. By the way, the Warriors get home, right? Uh-huh. Where are the rest of the Warriors? Yeah, because they're only they're supposed Where's... to be like the nine the nine representatives, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. Yeah. And and you, well, know, you got the lady on the radio telling everybody what's going on, so yeah. they would have heard. Yeah, and let's just say there's yeah. 20 more warriors at Coney Island. You think somebody would have woke them up? Like, hey, <laughs> hey, like, fuck, dude, they're all coming for the rest of your guys. Uh, you should wake up and help them out. They're coming here. We all know this. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Maybe they're a small gang. You know, maybe. <laughs> they're just a gang of badasses. Just nine of them can, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> take out entire other gangs well, know, it's a, 40 it's a, or 50. well it's a good thing cyrus only asked for nine representatives then because they just happen to have <laughs> the right amount of <laughs> of heads to send <laughs> yeah did you guys have anything else that uh you know we wanted to uh point out here before we uh get into the old star ratings and the final thoughts here uh, apparently uh switch <laughs> seem to have uh, became illegal in 1958 
yet here here you are uh, 20 years later you know somebody walking around with a 20 year old switchblade yeah with, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure know. people still rock switchblades yeah. so yeah. yeah yeah I'm sure of it well you know you got was it box cutters and that? shit who does that yeah I, <laughs> yeah I don't know I, I don't know who who would have <laughs> such a thing <laughs> I don't uh, I don't know. Probably every other uh, guy that would be uh, willing to uh, most wouldn't be willing to admit. I don't know. But uh, either way, <laughs> yeah. The final question that I see here that I forgot to mention: Did all the gangs come together after the movie? <laughs> so were yeah, they just like Greece? Yeah. So were they all willing to put it all aside? Like, well, it was just this fucking one nut who did it. So uh, <laughs> what we were talking about, you want to all get together? <laughs> Maybe we'll have to save that for when they make the Warriors 2 one of these days, which I wouldn't hold my breath for, I guess. I hope not. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. <laughs> Warriors 2. The break dancing. That's how we're going to settle this. Warriors 2, the legend of Curly's gold. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just, whoever makes it, just pay me. Um, all right, so I guess we'll go ahead and uh, get into the star ratings. So, Donnie, can you dig it? Definitely. Yeah, I've seen this several times, uh, several times through the years. Uh, with me, uh, you know, to me, it gets better with each viewing. Love the pacing. It doesn't really get dull or draggy at, at any any point. Um, uh, the violence is kind of dated, but um, kind of fits the time frame. Tough, gritty. Uh, you know, we've we've mentioned this earlier. Uh, Would have liked to seen more of the Warriors. Um, the nine sent that were sent to the delegation were supposed to be unarmed uh which you know you basically saw you know throughout the other gangs with the exception of the furies and the lizzie's which i think it was the lizzie's and luther were the only ones to actually use guns yeah and then the um you know the furies had the uh, baseball bats not a huge fan of the ending those are pretty much the only detractors um i'm this may surprise you with my star rating but uh, i'm gonna give it four and a half Oh, I wow. love this movie. Lofty, lofty praise. So you you definitely dig it. But, Will, yep. can you dig it? I can dig it enough. Actually, it wasn't my favorite movie. And I guess it's just because I've never sat down and watched it all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces. Uh, it just didn't connect with me. I, I, I think it's still a good enough movie to watch. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with a two and a half. Huge difference between the levels of digging here we've got between <laughs> Donnie and Will. So, Professor, I'm going to I'm gonna uh, toss to you the same question. Can you dig it? Oh, yeah. God, uh, this movie, I've, I've seen it quite a few times now. That, oh, one thing we didn't mention, though, is that I also love about this movie is the opening credit sequence. You know, we've, we've talked about movies where the only redeeming factor, I think, Josh, for you, for the crawlers, was the credits, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or for any of us. That was all I could find, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something at least. Yeah. But now this movie has, I love that credit sequence where it's the subway with the trains going by and then the, the titles of the yeah. names of the actors of the credits and the title of the movie is coming out sort of 3D between the yeah. subway trains. Yeah, that was really, really cool. well done. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. This movie also spawned a lot of uh, imitations. Mostly, uh, well, chiefly on my mind right now is uh, that I can think of is 1990 The Bronx Warriors, which was an Italian ripoff by Enzo G. Castellari. And he also shot his movie in the Bronx. Uh, and he, <laughs> at the time, you, this movie, you see a lot of different settings and whatnot. They don't really focus a whole lot on the Bronx itself, but, uh, in that Enzo G. Castellari movie, uh, it's supposed to be post-apocalyptic. It's supposed to be 1990. The movie was shot in, you know, 1981 or something like that. 
so not wasn't supposed to be that much further in the future. But you see a lot of burned out buildings and a lot of supposedly post-apocalyptic stuff. But apparently, according to him, that the Bronx that was just the Bronx. They just set up the cameras and shot stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, apparently, at the time that this movie was shot, and you know, upwards into the '80s, the Bronx just looked like a post-apocalyptic <laughs> war. <laughs> Uh, you mentioning yeah, that, that you mentioning that uh, uh, you mentioning that reminds me of like street trash, right? Like it was kind of like that too. Like wherever they shot that, it yeah, was like yeah. it was just a shitty <laughs> neighborhood, and we didn't make it that way. Yeah, they didn't have to do anything really necessarily to get it that way. I mean, now of course you know things areas have cleaned up since then and whatnot, but yeah, but yeah, during that time, a lot of just burned out cars, burned out buildings, debris, and just stuff everywhere, you know. But yeah, that movie. Just by the title alone, you, can, you know, the Bronx Warriors, obviously, it's, it's ripping off the Warriors. And uh, there's also a gang of, of uh, you know, kind of like the Baseball Furies in this movie, of uh, <laughs> dancing, makeup-clad, bowler-hat-wearing <laughs> gang members that dance off slash fight with, the, with the, the protagonist. That movie is something we've got to put on, not necessarily the cult corner, but probably Crafty Peace Theater. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get around to that. But yeah. there's been a few other ones too, like Escape from the Bronx was a sequel, uh, which obviously cashes in on both the Warriors and Escape from New York at the same time somehow. So uh, yeah, this movie is very influential, I think, to a lot of other films, and uh, I love it. I've, I've loved it since the first time I've seen it, which was back there in the early, you know mid '80s rental days and whatnot. Seen it a handful of times at least since then. Uh, I'm gonna have to go with a four stars. And I'm just gonna answer. Wait, wait, the... wait, wait. Uh, okay, Josh. Okay. Can you dig it? Yes, plenty of digging here. I'm 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 not gonna go as high as Donnie uh, with a four and a half. I mean, not not I'm not knocking that. I mean, I, I could totally see where you know you could watch this and come to that conclusion. I'm not gonna go quite that high, but I'm gonna go pretty high with a three and a half. Um, this is one that I've watched a number of times. It, it does seem to get better every time you see it. The end the end I, I think is probably what. It falls a little mm-hmm. flat, a little anticlimactic, you know, to where what you're building up should have been something bigger. But, I, and I don't know exactly why they ended it quite that way. You know, it's it's almost too pleasant of an ending for a movie like this. Um, but that being said, you still come away feeling pretty good about it. You know, like you know that it, you, you you probably had a good time watching it. You know, there's uh, that element of New York and and that time period and everything that you you get a, a heaping handful of and. I don't know, you know, it just the, the the music, everything comes together the way it was shot. It just comes together perfectly. So, yeah, I'm gonna go three and a half stars. I, I enjoyed the hell out of it, and, and I have you know a number of times that I've seen it. Every time, it, do, it definitely doesn't get worse. It, it is it's aged like a fine wine. That being said, I didn't mention it earlier, so I'll go ahead and mention it now. It got a 7.6 out of 10 stars over on IMDb. Uh, Metacritic, it got a Metascore of 65, and then over on Rotten Tomatoes. Certified fresh tomato meter, 87%. And the audience score, even slightly higher, 88%. Word. So, yeah, across the board. And and I think like I had read, uh, apparently, like I said, at the time, this movie, I think because of the violence, you know, and and there wasn't a lot of movies quite like this, the gritty violence and everything, it kind of got panned a little bit, you know, for the time. But, like, I think just because uh, so many fans have, have, uh, you know, kind of shouted their love for this movie in the streets like it's kind of got a reappraisal and i think that's why these higher numbers now and you know what we had to say about it what i just read there so you know it proves out i mean i think it's a well-known movie so uh, i think overall um i know will didn't like it quite as much as we did but still overall the consensus score was 3.63 so that's Mm. 
that's pretty damn high for our scale. So we obviously highly recommend you go check this out. If you've listened this far and you haven't watched it, what the fuck's wrong with you? You need to go check it out. And it, we didn't even do it justice, you know, as far as like explaining it and talking yeah. about it. Like you really need to see it for yourself, I believe. It's one you should definitely check out. So um, we're not, you know, we usually do our kill count or gore score, but since this isn't a horror movie and this is our new Colt Corner uh, series, we're, we're going to skip those. But we're going to go ahead and do what we usually call, uh, I guess, what do we usually call it? Connections from the Crypt? Uh, crypt Connections. Crypt yeah, connection. yeah. Yeah, it, however you want to phrase Same. it either way. This time we're going to call it Colt Connections. Where's the cult connections? Come out and play! Yeah, so uh, you, you had mentioned uh, previously uh, with uh, David Patrick Kelly being in uh, VFW. That was our episode number 50. Uh, uh, it's also uh, on the cast side. Leon Delaney. Uh, which is, you know, uh, one of the one of the actors in the, in there. Uh, he has uh, 41 IMDb credits, mostly as a stunt crewman. Um, he was in um, episode our episode number 39, um, "Kiss Meets Phantom of the Park." So, ah. uh, yeah, kind of a strange. He was uh, he only has five acting roles in uh, Warriors and "Kiss Meets Phantom of the Park." Uh, was two of them. <laughs> uh, so we've but almost the, we've almost gone through this dude's entire filmography. Pretty much, <laughs> pretty much uh, the Leon Delaney show. So uh, uh, no, it's um, and then on the uh, on the crew side, uh, Joel Silver, the producer um, of uh, uh, the Warriors, also produced um, House of Wax. Oh. Uh, yeah, our episode number thirty-eight. Well, as we talked about last week, not as bad as uh, Valentine. So. House of Wax has that going for it. But yeah, I guess that'll wrap it up for our first edition of Colt Corner here. And uh, we'll go ahead and tease what we're going to be uh, doing next week here on the Spook Show. So episode 97, which comes out next Monday, February 28th. So this will be the last episode of the month. We're going to be swinging back around to the series that we started back in November. Um, the one that won the October Patreon poll, Hellraiser. Uh, that we, we basically said at that point, this was going to be the beginning of, a, you know, we're going to go through the Hellraiser series off and on. Uh, so we're going to swing back around and uh, hit the next installment there in the series, Hellbound, Hellraiser 2 from 1988. So let me read the brief synopsis here on IMDb for you. Kirsty is brought to an institution after the horrible events of Hellraiser, where the occult obsessive head doctor resurrects Julia and unleashes the Cenobites in their demonic underworld. There you have it. Will, I remember uh, you liked Hellraiser a lot, so uh, I know you can't wait to get back to the Hellraiser series. Yay. And uh, get ready for big and big and awesome things coming up in the month of March. We've got our uh, 100th episode, so we've got something really cool planned there that we'll we'll probably be talking about here pretty soon. Coming up on Deadline Horror News and over on uh, Patreon and everything. So you want to don't you know you don't want to miss a thing. So we'll, we'll we'll release it all there, so you'll be ready. Just know that episode 100 is fastly approaching, and something something cool is afloat. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, stick with us. So, for Will and for Donnie and the Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All American Spook Show Horror Podcast, and we will talk to you next week.
As you leave the theater, folks, please be careful. Don't let this happen to your car. Be sure to remove the speaker before you leave. If you should accidentally pull a speaker loose, please turn it in at our snack bar or box office. Thank you.